When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What makes for a great vacation? Depends on who you ask. Are you looking to get away or bring everyone together? Do you want to get outside and play or see a play at the plate? Fortunately, however you operate, I'm the destination you've been looking for. The name's Missouri, but you can call me Mo. And I have just one question. What's your MO? To find your MO, tap now. Or for information on safe travel, come see me at visitmo.com. Hey everyone, uh, your weekly podcast is on the way shortly. Uh, just a reminder before we get going, this is a podcast sponsored by our friends over at Pitch Sports, who are still putting out lots of content uh, during the football lockdown. If you want your latest news, player ratings throughout the season, and all things Toffees, do head over there. Uh, we put videos out on there every week, posing questions which you can interact with as well, uh, called Fan Time Videos. So do check that out. It's the Pitch Sports app. And just a bit of a disclaimer ahead of this podcast, uh, we did have a few audio issues at the start of it. So the first 20 minutes or so, while the, the quality of the sound is fine, it does jump a little bit in and out. So we had a, a couple of breaks early on. But the second half, uh, the final half an hour, 35 minutes or so, was all fine. So do stick with us or do skip forward to that bit if you can't take those technological glitches but uh want to apologize for that but uh, here's your podcast now and it's going to start with mark mosey who is assessing adam sutton's attempts to get his skype stream up and running and when he's having issues with technology but he doesn't know you can hear him i think that <laughs> <laughs> it's humanity it's purest form uh, but that, that was a joy to behold and, and hopefully the next hour is is as seamless as that was uh, ben, this is the first time you've been on with these guys before. Um, as Mark said, uh, great indication into the souls of probably both of them, to be honest. Uh, what did you make of the whole thing? Absolutely. I mean, top top marks for entertainment value already, lads. You know, I've been quite lucky so far, touch wood. I've only had to move my screen and disconnect once. I haven't actually uh, had too many technical difficulties, but that's purely because I'm a technophobe and I'm not. I'm just not touching any, any screens and I'm just going to sit here now and you know, just let it happen. But no, you learn a lot about a man in these kind of situations, so I'm sure it's going to be a good show. Yeah. That, uh, think, our new subscription show, I reckon just us four trying to set up yeah. different pieces of technology. And <laughs> Absolutely. I think I think it'll go down well. Oh, yeah. dear me. Dear me. It was an adventure. Um, <laughs> it's, still, it's still an adventure when I'm out the woods yet. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. Um we are doing this by a hot mic um, for the first time on these shows, so if you, you stream along with us. If you've got any questions for our lads, uh, do get involved, uh, do comment in the box. Um, like I said, we are, it's a very fluid situation, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But, um, you know, like like you, 
we were speaking before, I spoke to, to Mark on Friday for Brew and the Blue, um, Adam recently as well. But in regards to, to footy, yeah, I, I know you're sort of at the mindset, Mark, that you're not, not really missing it at the moment. But um, Ben, I'll come to you first. Are you missing the Blues yet? Are you getting that itch? Yeah, I think um, I am sort of starting to miss the whole the whole thing that comes with the football. You know, the weekend, watching different games, fantasy football, stupid stuff like that. It's a, it's a lifestyle, really, in a way of life, rather than just a sport, isn't it? And I'll be honest with you, I think this will be an awful lot worse and a lot harder to cope with if we were actually really, really good on the pitch, which we haven't been. <laughs> you know, I think uh, the last couple of games, unfortunately, United and Chelsea are pretty much kicked into touch any wild aspirations we had of nicking a you know a fifth place finish or whatever and whatever that entails. But so it's not too bad because really if the when and if the season does be complete, I don't expect us to do much more than a sort of, you know, higher just higher than mid table finish. So I just really it's more about the preparations for next season for me. I don't want that to be disrupted. You know, someone offered me a deal now where in which case we would sort of end the season as quickly as possible and then get the full amount of preparation and pre-seasoning for next season and the full transfer window. I'd be much more behind on that because more than anything, I'm just intrigued to see what Ancelotti gets out of this squad over the summer, who he makes decisions on, who he doesn't make decisions on. And that for me is more a lot more interesting from an Everton point of view than actual than the actual games that could have been played. So I'm missing all that kind of stuff more than the actual watching Everton play, to be fair, unfortunately. But however long it goes on, we just hope that uh, everyone stays safe and we get the, get our game back soon and get our way of life back on track. Uh, Adam, as people well, people might not be able to see quite yet, but um, the stress has got to you, being in isolation and so much that you decided to shave your head. It's all yeah. gone. That's probably a cue, that, isn't it? So yesterday... <laughs> if anyone's ever met me you know how much I value my Swede like and it's um, yeah I said I've been staying sane but I think probably trying to say you're sane is the first sign of being insane in fact so um, yeah I, I, as Ben said it's like it's it's everything but 90 minutes I think it's it's the going to the game it's spending time with my dad or my mates having a pint it's that just catching the R5 kickoff that you don't even know is playing but you'd sit and watch on the couch and it's having an excuse to go down the boozer and have a pint. It's 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 everything, and obviously it's it's missing when we win and when we play well or whatever. But it's yeah, it's it's the the whole experience that I'm missing the most now of being able to get up on a Saturday and go to the game or um, on a Saturday half ten at night watch match of the day and text me mates or my dad when we have one and stuff like that. So yeah, it's tough, and I think in totally total agreement, it's that transition season that we've probably mentioned for the past however many years we're in a transition but I think um, I'm really excited to see what can be done and, and if we do have to carry on further and further in summer it might taint this master plan that we feel like Ancelotti and Brands and whoever have got so I just want it back now but, but I want it back properly rather than half-heartedly Yeah I think just sort of to go on what, what Ben was saying there most, you know one of them where you can sort of accept that this, you know the season is sort of finished for Everton there's, there's not been much going on but I'm not, not, you know, not, not in the mindset to feeling sorry for the Reds, but can you imagine if, if you're in the position of about to win the Premier League title and all this had gone on? I mean, it, it would, you know, as much as you know, there's been the jokes about the, the tainted title and all, and all that sort of thing doing the rounds, it, it would feel just a bit weird, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think the reason that most of us can kind of make peace with the fact that there is no football and no Everton at the moment is that we all kind of knew as much as the season wasn't an absolute dead rubber that 
we weren't necessarily on the cusp of something incredibly important like winning a title, relegation, whatever it may be. For all the clubs who are stuck in that element of limbo, I imagine this is incredibly difficult for, for players, fans and, and everyone associated with them. Um, on, a, on a wider note, I think personally, I probably just miss sport a bit more than I miss Everton specifically. I think you probably, at times like this, take for granted how in your, your spare moments, as Ben was saying, or as Adam said, about catching half an hour of a game somewhere, you, you just rely on that to kind of keep you ticking over in, in your daily life. It, it's quite strange. And I think adjusting to those sort of... Said it, it's a way of life. It, it's all of the, the things that you do during the week or, or on a match day and all of the social elements that go with that. They're, they're probably the things that, that go first when, when Everton is taken away from you because we haven't been so so impressive on the pitch. So it is it is a really strange one, but I'm, I'm glad in a way. I, I probably look at the Premier League table and, and look at the teams who will be relatively content with the situation at the moment and are able to build on a period of lockdown as opposed to be totally struck down by it. And I think Everton are probably one of the teams who have a little bit of stability um, an opportunity to, as the keyword is, to reset and to kind of take a bit of a, a backward step at the moment probably benefits us. And it does, as, as Ben said, it gives Ancelotti a, a time to possibly not look at his squad face-to-face every day on the training pitch, but take a bit of a step back and assess where the improvements are needed. And, and obviously, what happened with the transfer window, we don't know. But as it stands, it's coming up pretty quickly. And it's given every manager in the league an opportunity to to build very well and, and to identify their targets ahead of that opening. Yeah. Um, just apologies if anyone's getting any feedback. Uh, Matt Graham said that when I was uh, speaking, there's getting a bit of feedback on, on the mic. But, um, but yeah, we're... Um, I think I figured that out. So let us know, Matt, if that's better now. We've um, got a few different microphones going on there. We are still uh, trying to get this figured out. But um, before we get into anything, lads, we have a few questions from um, some people ahead of the show, which is what we could start off with. Um, the first one um, was from uh, Laura Gates, who asked us why everything's midfield. Um, quickly bring that up now. She said, Our midfield situation is currently dire. How much of a rebuild is actually needed? And what players you think could come in and play a part in that? Um, just on, on the first part of that question first, Ben, uh, how much of a rebuild is actually needed? I mean, you could probably look at it and say it wouldn't be a huge surprise if, if any of the lads who were you know, at the football club at the football club now were to, to leave in the summer. I think you could say you know, Tom, Tom Davis could go on loan, Ole Snyderling could go out the door, Fabian Delft, it wouldn't surprise you if he left, um, Dilke Sigurdsson certainly. Maybe Andre Gomez is the only one, you'd say, he's definitely going to going to stick around for the next season. So, you know, in my opinion, it looks like there's, there's going to be a pretty big rebuild on, on the go there. Absolutely. Um, I think, to be fair, midfield is going to be one of the most interesting things for me this summer to see what Ancelotti actually does because it's been quite contrasting a point of season where a lot of Evertonians, a lot of fans at the ground have been sort of baying for the blood of Gilfie Sigurdsson, so to speak. And yet Ancelotti's interestingly come out and defended him at times, saying he's doing exactly what he wants him to do. So it'll be interesting for me, once he is given sort of the free reins of a transfer window and how knows how much money to spend, what he actually does. 
with that because obviously you wonder what players he does have in mind to keep in the round squad and what ones he's happy to write off. I think the one thing this sort of period limbo will do, it will give him hopefully, fingers crossed, an extra chance to have a look at JP Gabamon. You know, surely, I mean, he's had, if he didn't need any more rest as it was, he's, he's going to have another month, probably two months before we actually get back to playing again at least. So he should be as fighting fit as anyone given that we need probably a little mini pre-season. So I think a lot depends on his progress as to whether we have to dip into the transfer market as much as maybe we need to. I know we've been linked with the likes of Alan from Ancelotti's former club, Napoli. You know, there's yeah. uh, a few other names being bandied about in the uh, in the papers and everything as well. But I think if, in a hypothetical world, the season does restart and he manages to let Andre Gomez, who for me obviously is our best central midfield player by a country mile, if he if he's allowed a situation where he gets to experience him and then Bed and JP Gabamon into that midfield with him as well, I think we'll have a much clearer idea because it seems silly for us to go out and just write Gabamon off because he's been injured and just say, we'll spend a £40, £50 million on another midfielder when we've already got a £30 million midfielder who, who could be the answer or may not be. But it's it's definitely a good opportunity if the season does get ended with the games being played and fixtures being fulfilled, that Kabaman gets a good run side. And that's either one more decision to make or one less decision to make, depending on how they evaluate his progress. Yeah. I suppose in, in that regard, Mark, there's a lot of pressure on, on Kabaman, isn't there, coming back into the side? Because... You could look at a situation there, you know, as Ben was saying, where you could come back into a midfield where three or four, you know, three or four of the lads he was expected to be playing alongside last season when he first came to the club were out the door. And all of a sudden, not only is he in a new league and, you know, still what might feel like a new club to him, but he's got a new set of players around him as well. I think the, the short-term future of the midfield and probably every element of it, bar Gomez, rests pretty heavily on Gabamon's shoulders. I think he and his, his performance dictates what happens to people like Fabian Delph and Tom Davis because if you were to, to go forward six months and he, he turned out to be then we all really take a step point and say, well, I'm quite happy for Tom Davis and for Fabian Delph and Morton Snyder and, and whoever it may be to be here on the assumption that they are back up for those two. I think if, if Gabamon comes in and it doesn't click at all, you are very quickly then in a situation whereby you don't trust any of them to part with Gomez and you have to go out and you have to spend big money and in order to do that, you're looking to offload players primarily because of the transfer fee but also to get them off the wage book as well. Um, so a, a lot rests on Gabamon. On, on a wider note, I would say, to go back to the original question, uh, a massive rebuild is, is probably what we're looking at realistically. Um, who the individuals are that come in are, are yet to be seen, but I think it, it, it's just so ironic that a matter of eight or nine months ago, we looked at Everton's central midfield as being a very strong core. Uh, it was probably the one area of the pitch on the close of the August transfer window last summer that we thought it, it's not something we have to look at to the point where we were linked with Abdelaide Decore. Uh, and I think most of us as Evertonians said, well, nice if we get him, but it's not necessarily an area of the team that we need to strengthen. Uh, and, and looking back at that now seems ridiculous considering how many problems we've had there. Adam, you're the same sort of opinion there. It, you know, it, it is it is crazy to think, you know, less than 12 months ago, we were sort of turning on <laughs> a bit somewhat like the core, right? Yeah, it's strange to be fair. I think it's <clears throat> jogging memory, actually. I'm pretty sure after we had signed Kabam and Gomez and 
and and Decore was getting thrown about. I was thinking we don't need him now. We're sorted for this season. We've got loads. We've got young players coming through. We've got some fella who was tipped to win the Ballon d'Or in his contract. I'm pretty sure Gomez had. And then, as we say, a couple of months down the line, we're screaming out for Morgan Schneider to put a six out of ten in, and we're, we're happy then. <laughs> and then you look at the, the likes of some of the players, as you say, around the Premier League that we we could have gone for, and I imagine a lot of them, with the money we were throwing about, would have would have accepted. It was, I think it was Marco Silva that, or I can't remember exactly what he was quoted saying, but he was pretty adamant he wanted more midfielders in. And, and everyone seemed to think, like, well, you're mad, eh? we've just signed however many. We need a right back, a striker, a, wherever other positions took more of a presidency. And I thought, if it was to be the one thing now that a lot of Evertonians say, say we put a a poll out on social media or something, where do we need to improve? I guarantee midfield will be top of that, which is, as we say, it's just crazy to think. Yeah, absolutely. And sort of along the same line, one of the other questions we've had has been from from Matthew Barry, who cited um, reports merely today that Alan, uh, obviously Brazilian midfielder, might be leaving Napoli. Uh, How key would he be in in Angelotti's rebuild? I'll, I'll come back to you first on this one, Adam. I think we spoke about him a couple of weeks ago, actually, when, when you were last on, and, you know, a player that we linked, and those stories don't seem to be going away. And I think, you know, we sort of talked about it at the time and suggested that he was somebody who, you know, was of that, you, you know, albeit a wonderful player, was of that age, you wouldn't really want to see everything go out and spend 70, 80 million pounds on, you know, mainly because we have enough the money. And secondly, because you're looking at more long-term investments. But, I think if we're going to stick with the four-four-two, which you know you'd imagine so, given the way that the two centre forwards have played this season, then I think it's midfielders of his profile who are maybe not to his level because it'd be hard to get someone of his level, but certainly midfielders who, who are more all-rounders in regards to can you know can get back and tackle and carry the ball and pass. May not be particularly outstanding in any area, although you could say he probably is outstanding in, in lots of areas. But I, I think they're the sort of players we probably need to target for that midfield because you look at what the players we've got now and you could say, you know, Morris Island distributes the ball well, Andre Gomez is decent on the ball, you know, Tom Davis can go box to box. But you look at all those players, you can sort of say, well, there are big holes in there which can be easily exploited when you're playing a 4 4 2 and you can be outnumbered quite a lot in that area. Yeah, I think Alan specifically, I've, I've never really looked into him as a footballer too deeply on, on how good he actually is. Obviously, you hear very good things coming out of Italy of, of how good he is at Napoli. And I don't know how much of a mainstay he's had in a Brazilian national team, if ever, really. I think, yeah. obviously, it's, it's such a, a wide array of just world-class players that seem to fly through the Brazilian ranks every year or so. But with with a player like that, and as you say, playing in a 4-4-2 especially, it, it's hard to find someone who can just play in a 4-4-2 and get by. And I think that's what we've been victims of, really, is, is having players who are good players, maybe better in a three, maybe better, I don't know, one of them holding, one of them sitting. If you're a, a midfielder in a 4-4-2, you've got to do everything. As you say, you've got to be box-to-box, strong, fast, quick, create chances, stop chances. And is he... I remember he was over, he's over 30, is he now? Or he's yeah. just turned... Is a player like that going to want to come to the Premier League and, and be all of those things? The likes of Fabian Delph, we thought, oh, he's a bit of an old head, he's experienced, he'll come in, he can do a job. I think you need young, hungry players. And I'd said previously on, on the pod that we did, maybe it's sometimes good to get someone like that in, maybe someone who's won the lot, who, who knows, a born winner, as we all ask for all the time. 
I just think in that position specifically, we need someone really mobile, really fit, strong and durable, essentially, as we've found with the likes of Gabamin, Gomez. If you suffer an injury and you're out for half the season, then we've got no one else good enough to back it up. So, Yeah, uh, Mark Mersey's gone. We'll get him back in a second. Eddie. We're going to take a break shortly. But just the same questions to you there, Ben. Um, yeah. Alan, somebody you look at and think everything should be going for, or, you know, again, would you have those concerns, albeit he's a wonderful player? Well, um, first and foremost, he's a very good player. You know, he's a top player. Uh, obviously, I'm not sure how many games he's actually played for Brazil, although we'll caveat with the fact that he's got Fernandinho and uh, Fabinho over at Liverpool who probably take up his position. As I, I actually think he's a little... OK, we're back again on Hot Mic. Uh, appreciate everybody's patience there. Uh, we had to take a little bit of a break. We had all kinds of streams dropping off. Um, if, if you have been listening to this, a bit a bit frustrated. We're going to put it out as a podcast. It'll be edited. It'll all be fine. So uh, no worries there. Uh, ben, you were cut off in your prime. Yeah. I sort of chat about Alan before the break there. Do you want to just carry on? Yeah, I'll just briefly <clears throat> go over the synopsis. That was my sort of opinion on it. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think he's a little bit younger than you said before. I think he's about 29. I don't mm. think he's quite into his thirties, so that, I mean, doesn't really tip for that, isn't it? But it's one. It's a difficult decision, and it's kind of crossroads, I think, that we found ourselves at in the past in different areas, where do you buy a player perceived to be ready-made and good enough to make an instant impact, but at the risk that you will get basically no resale value from them. It likens me back to when we bought players like Ashley Williams and Yannick Balassi in the summer of 2016. We bought players who, I think Balassi was 27, 28, and Ashley Williams was into a state of 32. You're buying players there who you've got to rely on making an instant impact. Otherwise, you'll end up with egg on your face. And unfortunately, both of those occasions, we end up with egg on our face because Balassi had a gear that kept him out uh, an injury, kept him out for a year injured. So his value is completely gone. We still can't get rid of him. And Ashley Williams equally so we couldn't give him away in the end. So you've got to weigh that up. But it's it's a bit different now because for me, because we've got Ancelotti in charge, you know, for once I actually trust our manager. If he thinks Alan's worth the hassle and is worth taking a punt on at 29 years of age, then so be it. Because he knows a lot more about football than a lot of the other managers we've had. And he's got a lot more experience than a lot of other people who've, who've been doing this. He's one of the best in the business. So you've got to take his advice on board. Whatever he decides is best. All I do know is that Alan is a good player and I've no doubt he's improved the current squad. That's obviously without the caveat of his age, etc. I don't know his injury record, but on, on, on absolute paper, it's Ancelotti's decision who I trust and Alan is a good player better than what we've already got. So I, I would just trust in the manager that and it's up for him to make the decision as much as that sounds like a bit of a cop-out. Uh, Mark, do you, want, do you want to be saying that? I mean, I suppose you know, on the one, the one side, you know, say we haven't got much money and you know, we spend a lot, of, lot on a player of, of, of that age, but you know, th- there must be a reason why, why Carlo Ancelotti's arrived at the football club. You, know, you can imagine he must have been promised a hell of a lot of money to, uh, to, to come in. So, so perhaps it's with this sort of signing in mind. It, it sounds ludicrous to say it about uh, a lad who's clearly got a lot of talent, but he's a massive gamble. Um, and and not purely because he hasn't played in this league before, but it's it's as all the lads have said, it's so much of your transfer budget, it's so much of your sort of ambition to the window being lumped on the shoulders of someone who's never played in the Premier League. And don't get me wrong, every time you watch me, who takes that on the chair. 
of the characteristics of a central midfielder. We need someone who is comfortable on that, and he is someone able. At, uh, but it's just whether we are willing to take that gamble. As Ben said, this this transfer, if it was to come off, you're looking at him defining the the short term future of of the club. Really, it, it has to work. And I just don't know whether Everton have got a the, the finance to push the deal over the line, but also the the, the ambition to put what hope on last transfer. It, it very much feels like if, if we were to go out and some of the figures Alan has mentioned that it has to work, um, and I'm just in two minds about whether it's the right thing for Everton to do at this stage in. You kind of sacrifice the building of a squad for one man. It, it's a difficult one, but maybe it's a risk that we've got to take. Yeah, interesting stuff going forward in that regard. Uh, we've had, we had a few other questions as well, um, some more like tougher ones. Uh, what have you said? Uh, Rob wants to know, Mark, what you think Tom Davis's best position is. <laughs> is he there? He's oh, we got Mark. Right, I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll end this hot mic screen now. Um, it's been intense, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to everybody. Um, I don't think you quite cope with four people. Uh, so if you're listening on a hot mic, this is the rest of the show on the podcast. Uh, we apologise for this. Uh, this on the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Oh, my word. Where was he gone? We're just jibbing that off then. Yeah, yeah, we'll do. Is it any easy if you do or not, Matt? Sorry, sorry. No, <laughs> start recording. It, it, do you know what? I'm just going to leave all this raw stuff in. It's absolutely fine. It's absolutely <laughs> it's fine. Gold. It's, it's gold. It's gold. It's not video, Adam. We can all see each other still, though. It's fine, but people can only hear us now. Um, sorry if anyone who's listening to this podcast is trying to watch us on a hot mic. Uh, we're trying these new things. That one obviously didn't quite work out as we planned it. Uh, we'll we'll get it going. In the, you know. Later in the week, I don't know. You lads want to be able to see it as well, but as when it gets streamed, effectively, I have to make like four boxes in each corner so people can see us. And for some reason, all the boxes were changing size every time they <laughs> made a point. So I have to like I have to resize it every, every single time when you spoke. So it was all over the place. But um, it, it it is you know like I said, if people got a bit frustrated there. We know you apologise. It is a good tool. We've done some some really interesting stuff on there already, so we're going to try and use it again. But maybe four people might be a little bit too much. We'll see. Um, but <laughs> there we go. Anyway, um, Mark, you were you know Ben got got cut off in his prime, making a great point about Alan. Maybe it's just Alan. He's cursed our stream. Yeah. Don't sign. Don't sign. Maybe it's a sign. Yeah, it's an absolute sign. Quite a scintillating point. I was actually in the in the process of making and. Um, I've got a flip chart on the other side of the room with a lot of analysis that I've conducted on him, but I'm, I'm not going to go back to that now because. <laughs> <laughs> so, all I'll rest on is um, I think that the many attributes that we talk about for a, a central midfielder, we, we're not really sure what goes alongside Andre Gomez. Is it someone who's going to who's going to push on and, and form part of the attack and and let Gomez be that sort of central pivot? Are we going to go for someone very much more of a defensive ilk like Gabamin and let Gomez be the one who who surges forward? I think the the one thing that we can all settle on is the fact that we need someone who's comfortable on the ball. Um, it, for so long, Everton central fielders have been all action, and and you, you you cite someone like Tom Davis, who yes is very much box to box, but I think now and again we just need a little bit more quality and composure. And um, he is someone who 
would definitely deliver that. It's just as the guys have said already, whether we are willing to take such a gamble. And as I said earlier, using the word gamble alongside the quality of someone like Alan or any number of players who may come in sounds a little bit ludicrous, but it is absolutely that. You are not only putting the weight of your transfer window, but the medium-term future of the club on the success of him coming in and hitting the ground running. And I just don't know whether it's a, it's a sensible option for Everton to, to do that, be it with Alan or, or anyone else. And I don't necessarily know if we've got the balls to, to, to throw everything into that one hat and, and see if it comes off. And I would probably side with saying no on that and the fact that we, we want to try and sculpt an entire squad as opposed to just bringing that one man in. That said, we, we tried to do that under Steve Walsh and Ronald Koeman and have this sort of scattergun approach to, to transfers and look how it ended. So maybe we do need to go sort of more quality over quantity in terms of our transfer dealings. And who knows if, if he is the guy who, who drives that. But I, the one thing you'd say about whether he fits Everton is that with like Marcel Brands at the helm, it's not necessarily... It's, your typical get them in young, develop them, and, and you know make them into a better or make them into a, a more profitable target for other clubs. And, and as much as we don't want to be that sort of club, that is his sort of mantra at previous clubs in terms of developing youth. Um, Alan is, is definitely not that, but, but maybe that's a kind of, of not only Everton's development, but also Marcel Brands' development as well. Yeah, and I suppose the, the, the other thing about that is that we haven't really seen that from Brands yet, have we? And it's not like he's gone out and signed. You know, you think about when he was at PSV and, you know, we got people like Herving Mazzano through the door and they were considered gems from, you know, other countries for, you know, knockdown prices. It's not really been that. I think most of the players he brought in to this point have been pretty well established. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's, um, you don't really know what you want from him as well, do you? Because we've obviously, we've got him into the club on the basis that he is going to do all of those things that he's been so historically good at in terms of developing the club's own youth system or or going out. And, and I mean, we, we saw Leicester City do it with Kante and, and now every Premier League club wants to do it, just swan off to the continent and get someone in for three and a half million pounds and they're going to win you the league. In these yeah. As much as we all kind of want that to happen, we, we know that it's a lot harder to do, but... I think Brands probably had that own admission of himself when he came in, in that it's, it sounds mad to say it, but Everton in, in many ways is a step up from the Eredivisie because it, it's a totally different kettle of fish in terms of how difficult it is to climb up the league. It, you know, it, it's possible to go into someone like an Eindhoven or an Alkmaar and to be very, very clever for, for a two or three transfer windows and elevate that club massively in a short space of time you're not going to get that with, with Everton and, and the Premier League it's, it's very much about the longer game uh, and as I say as, as much as it's about Everton's development I think Marcel Brands as, as cool and, and collected as he comes over will still be finding his feet in English transfer windows because we know how much of a, a nightmare they are to navigate around mm-hmm. I mean I mean, I don't know if you lads have anything else to, to add on there. It's, um, yeah, I mean, I think Robert's very much joking when he asked you, Moe's, what you thought Tom Davis's best best role and best position was. But 
Um, sorry if anyone had any banging, by the way. I think upstairs they're doing an exercise video or, or something different entirely. It's sprinting across the floor. <laughs> Probably doing a Liverpool live podcast that was yeah. just working <laughs> perfectly. Probably work swimmingly, yeah. Banging on the floor <laughs> to glow to me. Ours is working fine. Yeah. yeah. I get that in the back of my mind every time Tom Davis is mentioned, so if you do want to plaster over that question, then that's absolutely fine. <laughs> um, on, on just to, to round up these questions, yeah, we, we may as well, before we come on, to just, just chat about something else to finish off. I uh, also had one from uh, Chico as well. Um, I'll, I'll come to you first on, on this one, Adam. Uh, he's asked us, if you could make an air freshener out of any current Everton players sent, who would it be? And who wouldn't it be? He's also added, I've got I've got to say this here, a big fan of Matt here, the lads. Matt Hare here, the lads. So I appreciate that feedback. Um about <laughs> Well, he, he, you know, before before the show, I'm sure he was a big fan of. But it'd be Ross Barkley, Swansea away. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from instead of my mum shaving it off, it was literally just me in a fit of like absolute yeah, I've lost my head there, but um with uh, who I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> you can go so wrong here, can't you? <laughs> uh, I probably wouldn't want the scent of like Jordan Pickford. Like, <laughs> you know, when you have like in like school when you have pee and stuff, and you found like old keeper gloves and all that, and they had that one smell that everyone like just the sweaty, like boxing yeah. gloves as well. Like, anyone who's, who's done any form of like boxing or MMA, when you put, like, the spare gloves or something on and you stink, your hands stink for days after. So I'm going to go with that as a, an easy option. Who's sent a wood like as a, as a car? I think Gomez has a goes without saying, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna... I think Bainesy as well. I think he smells of just, like, a bit of class. Get in. Smells nice. You know, it's probably been cleaned over the past couple of weeks and the car's just a, a good runner that can... Uh, Whoever you're picking up is going to be impressed with uh, someone else. I think was it? Did did Rob mention Stecklenburg? Yeah, actually, yeah. Like that, you know, I think. But even if it was a player, yeah. But maybe the likes of Marcel Brands or yeah. more of a, a mature. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> wrong, wrong, this one. <laughs> this is, I think this is probably exactly what he wanted from the question, isn't it? Just me trying to dodge, all of us trying to dodge any form of... Politician's answer. Yeah, saying someone smells bad or good. Like, Yeah, I'll go for um, no for Pickford and yes, Bainesy, for uh, my car air freshener or not. I, I really enjoyed the way you sort of had a, a dilemma in court. <laughs> Top marks. <laughs> I feel like this has been the most stressful podcast you've ever done, Ad. <laughs> Loads of Herbie when it started. Ben, any 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 thoughts on that? Uh, well, I, I like you've said there, Matt. I'd have put Andre Gomez at the top rear just because I don't know. I'm guessing he wears something nice, like a bit of Creed or something like that. So expensive aftershave. So that kind that that's as far as I'm gonna go with Sorry. that. I'm gonna deflect it. Are we going for like what they wear? Have I just totally taken? No, no, I was just saying. Like, but I'm just saying, it looks like the kind of guy you'd wear a top end, top quality kind of, kind of scent. So I'm gonna base it off that. So I'm thinking, like, the disclaimer should be he's not allowed to put like any spray on or uh, oh, have to shave on for like, say, like five hours. 
Just I was worried then that I'd, I'd gone for like. Well, Gabamon, because he's not had to do any runs, so we won't be sweating. Gabamon's not about shelf, actually. He's not been doing any exercise, so we Looks won't like be sweating. Looks like a pristine fella, to be fair, as well. I've met him as well, I've stood next to him as well. Nice what guy. What do you smell like? <laughs> oh, just like, I mean, like an air freshener. I remember thinking, you know what, funny is it? I remember thinking, at exact that moment, that exact moment, someone should make like an air freshener out of this guy. That exact moment, that was, that was exactly what I thought. Do you know yeah. what, as well? If if someone said that they've got your mate said, Oh, what 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 aftershave you wearing at the moment? Like, oh, I'm wearing a Jean Philippe Gabarman. Yeah, but a JP, that, that, yeah. That would, that would sound like a, a spray, wouldn't it? You know, that absolutely you could definitely buy that in the perfume shop in town. It's not a Jordan Pickford. But uh Guilty Sigurdsson's a shocking omission from this conversation so far because as much as he has been totally links Africa on the pitch this season, he <laughs> really a fantastic looking and smelling fella. Um, I think Adam, you're dead right on Pickford because he he definitely is that the the one in the the train in the dressing room who still gets links Africa at Christmas, I would imagine, and legs into Finch Farm to tell the lads how many cans he got. But yeah, Guilfi Sigurdsson in terms of everything from an aesthetic and a nasal point of view as we've taken this conversation he is definitely he doesn't do any running either so he won't have any sweat either yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I think Sigerson is quite good at the superficial stuff he looks good you know like when he goes out he's definitely one of the lads in the dressing room that does his hair before the games and stuff like that you can you can tell and he's also great at knee slides which oh. you know Snyderland's another one who whenever he's out socially always seems to be you know looking after himself and I mean He's not great on the pitch, but I'd smell the lad. So fair play. <laughs> what about Seamus Coleman? I, I wouldn't want to know the Seamus. Pro- probably smelled great eight or nine years ago when it was like an, it was <laughs> a new scent on the market and you could get it for relatively cheap. Unorthodox. It's been mass produced and it costs a bit more. Everyone's just a bit bored of it and wishes it would just not be a thing. Oh, well, the Quite odd. Coleman's the one who like. Um... Like nowadays, what he does is to like because he has got such a bad smell about him, he like overcompensates. <laughs> so like essentially now, what will happen is like people will pass him and be like that's strong, isn't it? And even <laughs> whatever it is, it smells bad because it's too strong. It could be the most expensive or cheapest. Yeah, just oh. a lot of far too much stuff on. <laughs> It just yeah, there's always one of them when you're out in town, isn't there? You're in a bar that's too, a little bit too tight. There's always that one, that one person who walks past you all the time, that one fellow or that one woman. It's like bloody hell, they've loaded up. Yeah, Coleman's that one that after shave you got for your birthday when you were like 16, and it's just been in your cupboard ever since. You're not used to it. Rob Veer has just made up with that question, by the way, because we've all it's really taken over our lives for that short time now. That is, that is, these these discussions are important, you know. <laughs> absolutely vital conversation <laughs> I had a serious topic to finish on but I can't remember what it was oh that was it Andre Gomez speaking of good spelling fellas um, <laughs> suddenly there seems to have been a, a lot of debate about him all over social media I think Owen Parks who was on um, our Subs Weekly has been a bit of a catalyst in, re- in regards to this putting some of his, his figures up on, on Twitter and sort of question his productivity and that sort of thing and while Owen's made it clear he doesn't think he's a, a bad player by any any means, just sort of having, having a look at, at what he offers to the side. And I'll, I'll come to you on, on this first, Ben. Um, 
you know, George Unum over the last three games he's played, you know, after that injury would, would be, you know, a little bit ridiculous, albeit, you know, he's, he's great against Arsenal, all right against United. Not the best against Chelsea, but then in, in that match he was, to be fair. Um, and I think, sort of going back to what we speak about before in regards to Alan and, and Evans playing 4-4-2, I think I, I've got to say, in regards to that system, in regards to what he can potentially offer, I do look at him a little bit and think... Maybe not a natural fit for for that sort of setup. No, he's not. I don't think he is in any way a natural fit for a four four two in the midfield. <clears throat> I just think we've got no other choice. Ancelotti seems to want to play that way, and he's by a whole by crook our best midfielder, whatever role you put him in. So we've got to sort of deal with that for now. He's not going anywhere. He's a big signing last summer, so he's definitely not one of the names for the chopping block in the summer. So you've got to fit him in as best you can. I think it's interesting when you mentioned before about like the likes of bringing in a midfield like Alan in and whether to decide whether they're going to be a bit of a box-to-box midfield, a bit more defensive man. I think we need someone from midfield who scores goals. I think we've had too much of a dilemma in recent seasons where we have too many midfielders who don't score goals. I mean, you know, last season we had a midfield too, albeit of immense quality in Andre Gomez and Idrissa Gay. I'm not sure exactly, but was it something like one league goal between them? Something yeah. like that. Before that, we had the likes of Gareth Barry, James McCarthy, Darren Gibson. None of them scored goals. You know, Phil Neville played in midfield at one point as well. You know, we we have a problem producing goals from other other areas of the pitch, in my opinion. And although Andre Gomez is, listen, we're not doubting his quality or his future because we love him here and he's he's a good player. Those kind of statistics didn't shock me as much as it might shock some Evertonians because I do think. He leaves a lot to be desired in front of goal. It's strange that the only goal he had, he had scored for Everton was that one against Wolves yeah. at home when we got beat last season. And that was a quality finish. I mean, that was a quality strike from a player who looked like didn't look like a fish out of water. He looked like that was exactly what he was used to doing, driving forward with the ball and hitting strong shots from outside the box like that. We just haven't seen it since. I think the only thing I'd say with it, we, we haven't seen him miss chances. He just doesn't get any. So yeah. I don't really. So I think if you're gonna persist with Andre Gomes in the four four two, maybe you do need to make him the sort of deeper line of the two because he is big enough to sort of handle himself and shield the ball. I think maybe we need a bit more box to box midfielder who can add to the add to the goal return because if you're gonna have a player like Gomez, who's not gonna reach the stats in terms of goals assists. Somebody else needs to pick up the slack. Um, I mean, I don't know if you lads want to want to follow on from that. Um, it's. I think, I think defensively as well, Adam, you still look at him now and, you know, before his injury, you could maybe question it and say, you know, he's not someone who really tracks back, albeit he is quite physical on the ball and, and that sort of thing. But I think in, in regards to his, you know, his stamina and his ability to cover ground, that's, that's certainly not going to have been helped by what he's gone through the last, you know, five or six months. No, and I think it was, I think that those three games when he did return from injury kind of showed what it can what what can happen after a horror injury like that is you come back and you and you're high on on any form of ecstasy and, and happiness of being back on the pitch and you and you just play out your skin with no worries and, and all of that stuff and and then the second game is you're right, okay, I'm 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 back into this now and I need to, to bed myself into a game and understand that the pace and how it works. And we've said before, I think he was played for for, for way too long against Manchester United at home. It, played 80 minutes or something, which kind of points towards Ancelotti being absolutely terrified of anyone else to bring on in central midfield. And then obviously Chelsea is that, well, is he going to be the same here? He doesn't look mobile. He doesn't look like he's he's able to, to move across the pitch as what he did. And I think that's 
probably where lies my opinion on the whole thing with with Andre Gomez. Is I'm, I'm I'm unsure because we don't know exactly what his best position is and the best way he plays in a formation. And I think the four four two we we are crying out for someone who does score goals, but at the same time can play in a four four two. We've tried it with Sigurdsson this year. It's been pretty much a disaster having having Sigurdsson alongside the likes of Delph, Davis, Snyder, and like it's. Gilfie Sigurdsson as a number 10 is great, but is Andre Gomez as a number 10 in a three going to be better? Is Andre Gomez as maybe one sitting in a three going to be better? It's it's really tough. And, and last year, he profited so much from Idrissa Gay being the one to, to get about the pitch, maybe has, do his running almost, and then get him on the ball to do his, his, <coughs> his flicks, his, the ability to to look after the ball a lot better than maybe other people will. And yeah, I think from, from what Owen has said and, and listening to, to the subs weekly he was on, it's it, those stats are slightly damning for a, a number eight playing in the Premier League. But at the same time, if we can't compliment him, then as we say, he's not getting chances to score. And therefore that we just probably got to assume that his role isn't to score and assist all the time. But how do we know? It's, it's, it's unsolved. And I really want him to do well next season or the end of the season, whenever it happens. But he needs someone alongside him. He needs a few people around him who are going to bring out the best in him, as, they, as anyone does, really. Does Evan just have this magical ability to, to take midfielders and just, just break them down to a point where no one knows what their best position is? I'm <laughs> end up with a lot of midfielders, but but no one's quite sure on, on where they fit into a system. Um, I think the lads are spot on in terms of... You probably look at Gomez as being a consistent 8 out of 10 all-round midfielder. But he's never going to be a 9 or 10 going forward, and he's probably not your, your stereotypical sitting in front of the back four. But that said, he's Everton's best player by a country mile. Um, so you, you're almost... You, you, you'd hope at this stage where you're looking for a partner to a midfielder, you've got a very defined set on, on whether you're going to go for someone who's very offensive or someone who is going to play that sort of Idrissa Gay role. And I think if, if you were to... The nature of the beast in the, playing in that midfield too is that Andre Gomez kind of has to be one or the other. I think he, he's probably a little bit more naturally suited to play in that more defensive role, as the lads have said, and, and finding someone alongside him who is willing to push on. What we're probably looking for is everything that, that people want Tom Davis to be in terms of being that one who has a bit of endeavour going forward and isn't necessarily going to do that sort of structured role in front of the back four, but but he is going to be exciting going the other way. And I think sorry, just sorry to interrupt, Moose. If, if you're playing four four two, do you not need two lads who are going to do a bit of that? You, yeah, you do, and that that's part of the the comfort blanket that three midfield offers you is that there's so much more structure in place. There is someone who who definitely sits. And then there's the two lads who have got a little bit more freedom. I, I get what you're saying in, in that midfield too, is that you're asking so much more of them. And he undoubtedly has the quality to to be part of that too. I just, to, to go straight back to, to the question that we had originally at the start of the show in terms of rebuilding this midfield and what we say about Gomez being such a good all-rounder, we, we've probably got a number of lads in there who are very good sort of six or seven out of ten structured central defensive midfielders or lads going forward but they haven't got it in their locker to be to be those all-rounders 
But what we essentially want and what we need and what, what we say is ideal for a two midfield is two versions of Andre Gomez, but a little bit better. And <laughs> We're talking about lads who play strictly in the Champions League and not for Everton. So it, it's a difficult balancing act. Um, I think you, what, what we need on the back of conversations like this and, and you think about Everton's midfield, we need a very predetermined guidance about how Everton are going to play. I think Ancelotti, by his own admission, probably never came into the club and thought, I'm going to take this to 4-4-2 and I'm going to see how it goes. Yeah. He's very much fallen into a system that Duncan Ferguson managed to make work for a few weeks. And I think what Ancelotti has to do over this downtime is determine whether this is going so well that it's something that he sticks with. And I, I would probably hamper a guess looking back at his managerial history and saying that He's never done any of the great things that he has done with a, a structured 4-4-2. There, yeah. There's always been sort of a three at the back at Milan or or certainly a, a little bit more fluidity in midfield about having someone like Kaká just roaming in between midfield and, and centre-forward. And I think he needs to use his time to, to figure out whether he's going to stick with what has so far gone pretty well for us or if he's going to go totally to, to back to his roots in terms of bringing his own style in. And I think it, the nature of that midfield is obviously the thing that's so fluid about that, that question because where he goes with his own sort of methodology and his own formation determines what Everton require. For, for most of those lads in midfield, they're all just in a massive battle at the moment to be Andre Gomez's best mate because he looks like the only one who is capable of holding down that, that start and roll week in, week out. Yeah, and he smells amazing as we've already established. So, yeah, yeah, I was just, just, yeah, just thinking about that then again. Actually, not, not that I wasn't listening to you, but I reckon Mason Holgate as well. Well groomed. That, that, we said a few weeks ago in that the the worst possible feedback you could give to Everton's midfield this season is that he is probably the front runner to partner Gomez because yeah, he, yeah. he looks like the only one who's got any form of assurance in there. But as we've said. We're, we're, we're probably not looking for someone like that. We want someone who, as much as we value what Andre Gomez gives us, we need someone in that midfield who's going to provide more than five goals or assists and, and way beyond that number if we are going to break into a top four or a top six. So I think Ben's right in terms of the, the style of play that we need is that, yes, we, we all cry out for that anchor in midfield, but... We need someone who's going to make us more interesting. How often do we say that Everton are a boring side and we we kind of play out games with no creativity? We are agonisingly in need of someone who's going to do that for us. Yeah, Um, it's it's interesting the concept of a a goal-scoring midfield. Adam, I know you you line cut out a little bit there, but um, we just carry on talking about Andre Gomez. But do you think a little bit that the sort of the concept of a a goal-scoring midfield there is maybe? Going a bit of a finger in the past, you know. You sort of look at the top sides now, like Liverpool, don't get many goals from their midfield. City, you've got De Bruyne, who's maybe a bit of an exception, but apart from him, they, they don't, they, you know, they haven't got loads. Even Spurs, you know, people like Deli Ali, not not a great seasons. It's it feels as though, and you know, I suppose the the best example of this actually is you look at the Real Madrid team that won three Champions League titles in a row with Modric, Cruz, and Casemiro. You, you say that none of them would really get over over five goals, and it, it feels as though that midfielders are maybe being asked to do more things that, that are helping the team as opposed to being more productive. Certainly at, at the top level, I think especially 
I totally, totally agree in the fact that is the box to box, so you speak, arriving late for a cutback to Frank Lampard esque like goals 10, 15 a season. Is that a dying breed? And it, it probably is, to be fair. And I think with, with the way modern day teams play football, it is that high press. It's the ability to win the ball back and then give it to the lads who can who can make it happen. And is there only what three, possibly four players in a team now that a manager goes, they're going to score the goals, just get it and give it to them? And is that the role of a midfielder now? Is it the role that you have to break up the play, you have to be as fit as, as possible? And, and it is that pass before the assist that maybe the stats don't say for the likes of Gomez for... I think, Matt, you mentioned when speaking to, to Owen and Dave on Subs Weekly about the likes of Modric. Are his stats, Dave, yeah, Dave mentioned that, yeah. Are his stats ever <coughs> going to be blowing teams out the water, sides out the water and stuff like that? And the likes of De Bruyne, yeah, it, it's a total exception because he is that free role. Is he a midfielder? Is he a, a right winger sometimes he finds himself? Is he a, a, in behind the striker? He's a freak, we know that for one, but he's a, he's a footballer that doesn't really stick to a, a, a specific role. And I think moving forward, is it that, as we, we we see so often in the Premier League, the likes of Salah, Mane, Firmino, even, even Firmino doesn't score a lot of goals, actually. You have two people, three people, as you say, four people max that are going to get you your 40, 50 goals. And then everyone else just chips in with two, three uh, as a maximum. And... Is that the way we go about things? I think going back to that 4-4-2, it is, as um, Matt Cheetah mentioned, it's it's it, it's getting people to fit into that system. And as Carlo Ancelotti come into a 4-4-2 and gone, we're just going to carry on riding this wave a little bit that Ferguson set us on. And I might have, and he'll have his way in, in the summer. And, and hopefully, I agree with Mark, that I don't think he will stick with the 4-4-2. I just think that it's working now is there going to be a third manager that Everton are managed by the season who comes in and goes, right, stop what you're doing, let's just change it and start again from a formation, from a, a way of playing style? I think he's just gone, right, let's just get over the line for the end of this season and then see what yeah. happens. And hopefully then he can work his magic, which which is what we're all looking forward to. It's interesting what you say, Adam, about how, how modern football teams play and how the game in a relatively small space of time has changed drastically. And we talk about, I mean, most of Europe's most successful sides now and, and Liverpool have been a shining example of this is all about the high press, all about massive levels of intensity. And obviously, to make a very basic point, you, the structure of your midfield and, and how much allowance you put on them in terms of getting your goals very much depends on, on who's in front of them. I think that the one thing that's probably blanketed Everton's midfield over certainly the course of this season is how well people like Richarlison and, and Dominic Carvalhoen have done. They've taken so much pressure off, as you say, a, a squad that you expect goals to come from from all areas, but it hasn't necessarily happened like that. I think if, if Ancelotti was to massively change this up and go to a more goal-scoring midfielder, then you probably look at your own squad and say, well, that's exactly what Gilfie Sigurdsson is, is meant to do. And maybe some of the the downward curve that Gilfie has had this season is by and large down to the fact that Everton have totally changed as a as a football entity and the, and the way that we do play football. I mean, the, the, the wider point that we make there about how football has changed and how that affects some players, we, we've seen that player degrade week in, week out this season. And it is Gilfie Sigerson and 
if if Everton are to go four four two and they are to to take up this sort of new modern way of playing football, then he might as well retire because because the, there's no room in the game for that incredibly niche role that he has. Uh, and I think it for, for everything we say about Ancelotti and how he's going to build this squad and and the type of player that he's looking at over the summer. I think that the main thing we're going to learn about him as a manager that we aren't quite sure of at the moment is how ruthless he can be. Um, for all of these midfielders that we link ourselves to and the, the type of play that we want, there's four or five lads in that midfield that we're all now sitting here and admitting that haven't got a future. And I think we need him to be decisive and make those calls before we go out and, and find the new players. And that, that's primarily from a financial point of view. Yeah, um, good stuff, really. See, we can do a bit of everything. Technical issues, what players smell like. Really interesting, serious midfield debate. <laughs> we're going to get that. Uh, to anyone who's listened and got all the way through this, I really appreciate your patience. Um, obviously, it was a bit of a nightmare at the start, but we managed to get there. Um, ben, Adam, Mark, thanks very much for coming on. Uh, just to remind everybody, this podcast is sponsored by our friends at Pitch Sport, who are still putting out loads of content. During this pandemic, uh, do get over there. You can check out loads of ratings from throughout the season. Loads of other sides and get your latest news uh, on the toffees over there as well. So download the Pitch Sport app for all that. Uh, and we'll speak to you again next week. Uh, we'll have less technical issues, I can promise you on that, because I'll be trying to figure it out over the next, the next few days. Uh, but we'll speak to you soon. Thanks very much for listening. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com apply. That's Amazon.com apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Sports Social Podcast Network.